Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and you can listen to us on the Golf News Network and, of course, all the social media platforms out there. As they build a new one, we're on it. That's that's uh, Commander Dave's job there, or Camaro Dave, I should say. Um, in the regular show, we talked to Shawnee Harley, who is a mental toughness coach. Uh, Shawnee's got an incredible uh, resume as far as working with Olympic teams and top elite athletes. And now she's working with some top elite golf athletes. Actually met Shawnee for the first time uh, over the phone, but I, she was recommended to me by a good friend of mine. And uh, after I found out a little more about her, and then we did the first show, which is about a year ago, actually very incredible woman as far as her, um, what she does to help people. And that's what a coach does is you're there to help people. And, um, so I really enjoy talking to her. I really, really do. Um, so how's that? Is that a good buildup for you, Shawnee? Well, you know what I, what I want to add to that is I think when I really done my job, instead of saying I help people, what I want to do is help people help themselves. Good point. I think that's what real coaching is. Good point. What's the, you know, don't name names or anything, but what's the toughest, if you allow me this word, case you ever had to work on with an athlete? What the toughest? Yeah, a bigger, a problem. Let me, let me, the, yeah. If I, if I put it, if I put it a different way, what's the number one, there's, there, there are not an infinite number of problems when I work with athletes. What I've learned over the years is that they all have the exact same problems. Mm -hmm. The only difference might be the context and the sport. The, the number one thing that I'm finding in athletes that holds them back is how do they get past um, a parenting style that hinders them. So there are many LPGA golfers out there that have come from parents who pushed. Oh yeah. Uh, and when I kind of dig in and I ask them like, what's going on? Like, what are you afraid of? I, I love that question. You know, what are you afraid of? And then I ask it these other ways. What are you afraid of? What are you protecting? What are you avoiding? What are you protecting against? It's so interesting when I ask those questions and we drill down, 
there will always be something that came from when they were younger and my parents did this. My parents said that. And if I were to generalize, a lot of times there's a, the dad comes in there. And that's one of the biggest hurdles that is hard with these LPGA golfers because now they're older, right? They're all, they're older. Some of them have families. They're, you know, they're not living at home anymore. And yet they're still carrying um, their parents with them, so right. to speak. And so what I'm doing now in my mental toughness practice, which is really, I think, a great solution is when an athlete signs up for mental toughness coaching with me, I ask them, are they willing to sign up as a family? Because I have to coach the parents. And, you know, I just, I started working with these younger athletes just recently. And, you know, I, I won't say the sport, but the dad back in the day was an elite rugby player. Sure. And now he has two daughters. And it's just so interesting when I'm watching this dynamic. One of the daughters is ready to quit sport. And the dad thinks she's a quitter. And I'm like, wow, this is... So you can see where I'm going with sure, this. Sure, absolutely. We, we get these fears. We get, we get pushed. We get pulled. We get uh, guilted. We get blamed. We get shamed. And these things really hinder us in, in our ability to, I call it the difference between the zoo and the jungle. When we are afraid of things, we, it pushes us into the zoo because we're looking for safety and security. When we can figure out that we're in the zoo and we start thinking about what we're thinking about, the opposite of the zoo is the jungle. And the jungle is where the magic is but it's also where the spiders and snakes are. Uh -huh. So we have to learn how to manage the dangers of the jungle. And most athletes don't want to have any part of that. Almost all of them are in the zoo. And then when I look about why this is, I'm like, isn't that interesting? Because in my opinion, fear is a learned behavior. So where are we learning it from? Who's teaching us to be afraid and afraid of what? Afraid of losing, afraid of making a bad shot. I had a dad, that I was a grade nine golfer that I'm working with. And the dad texted me and said, yep, she missed our one foot putt on 18. And in my mind, I'm like, so, yeah. And happens. he just, he just, he went on and he said, I, that's, a, and I just talked to her about that. How could you miss that putt? So you can see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. We have learned, we learned to be afraid of the results except when the result is amazing. So who's teaching us to be afraid? And so my mission is now, I, how can I help parents do it better? Because you mentioned this way back earlier in our conversation about when you were doing, working with horses and the athletes, you coached the way that you were coached. Well, when we know better, we do better. Right. That's Maya Angelou. And I'm just helping parents get some tools so that they stop pushing their kids into the zoo. You know, there's, um, I had a personal experience with for something very similar and it's my show and my family doesn't listen to this show. So I can say this when I, I won my first world titles when I was 16 
with the horses. And uh, there were lots of people around me. This was in Oklahoma City. And there was lots of people around me. You know, congratulations. Good job, Jeff. You know, blah, 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 blah. And my dad standing there beaming and giving me hugs. And my mom gave me a hug. And, and then she said, because this was a reserve world championship. And I, I didn't win by one point, kind of like your one foot putt. And she said, well, next time you'll win it all. And walked away. And in that moment of jubilation with all these people, People, some of them strangers, but they were all being very kind and very nice. And that one little comment, that fired something in me that it's still there today. Uh, you know, it was devastating. So, um, and I've seen that in the golf world too. You know, years ago covering Michelle Wee and her mom and dad right there. I mean, they were no more than a step and a half behind her everywhere she went except when she stepped into the tee box and uh i i actually felt sorry for that young lady because um well she they'd come up here and they'd they'd play it used to be the safeway and now it's the cambia and where you came down last year and this was out at pumpkin ridge but i saw that and i saw that for two or three years running and i went man that's that's tough it's tough to be under the professional pressure anyway, but then to have the mom and dad right there doing the hovering and the smothering and the, I'm sure back at the hotel room, the conversations aren't as light and fluffy as they are out on the golf course when everybody's around. So I, I've always felt for her about that. It's a tough deal. I find that a lot with, um, with any athletes that I'm working with that are past the recreational level, it seems like the further an athlete goes, the more hovering the parent does. And what I try to help parents see is those are fear-based behaviors. Yeah. So they're bringing their own fears into their kid and their parents are like, well, no, I'm not afraid. I'm just trying to help them do better. And I said, well, what happens if they don't? They said, well, that's not an option. I said, well, therefore, that's a fear. Right? If, if, if right. it's a fear for you that your son or daughter isn't going to be the best in their sport and you can't handle that, that's, that's on you. That's your fear. And I'm, I'm trying to help parents say, how do you stop making this about you? They're like, it's not about me. I'm about my kid. And do you know how much money I've invested in? Do you know oh, yeah. how much in this and that and the other? And I'm like, there, you, you just nailed my point home. Yep. Sure. Did. This is about you. How do I help? I'm helping parents lean out so that their kids can lean in. I'm help parents step back so that kids can step up in general. There's no, the athletes that I work with, there is no space for them to step up. The space is just taken over and being held completely by the parents. And that is disempowering for these athletes. And they compete with this fear all of the time. In fact, I just had a, I just had a piece of paper that I had. I was talking with an athlete and I wrote this quote down. She was a golfer 
And she said to me, and I wrote it down, I was like, that is powerful. She said, when I, when I don't do well, the first thing I want to do is avoid my dad. I'm scared to go near him. That, that's... And I'm like, you know what? I need to tweet that. I need to do something about that. I'm like, how is this? How is this okay? I'm, I avoid my parents when I do that. I'm scared to go near my dad. That I, so we, we started with what's the biggest thing that we're, I'm trying to help athletes overcome? Their parents. I understand because one thing I saw personally in my own life and then through people I coached was, and you, you nailed it, parents living vicariously through their kids. Uh, and I'm going to say this too. There's good money now on the LPGA, for example. It needs to be better and bigger, but it's a lot better than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. PGA, the money is astronomically crazy. That's all good. You know, and the Symmetra Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour and these, you know, the the AAA league, so to speak, if you're a baseball guy. But you look at that, and I and I really wonder sometimes if the parents aren't like, that's my retirement program. And that's being very vicious on my part. But I swear to God, Shawnee, that that's part of it sometimes. That when you when you see them and talk to them, that, like you said, because to me, whenever they bring up money, there's, there's a, a, a hidden agenda. More or less, you know, if you want to, if you want to go, go out and get rich, be a great professional golfer type thing. And I, when I'm not, I'm not saying that go. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. I know that with um, some of the younger golfers that I, I'm working with when I sit and talk to the parents and I ask good questions and we drill down, um, you know, I'll ask them, you know, what's your why? Why did you put your child into golf in the first place? And they'll say, well, for the love of the sport, it's healthy. It's good to, you know, get outside, da, 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 da. And I'm like, great. I'm like, that's a great why. And I'd be like, but do you know that your what doesn't match your why? <laughs> what that means is <laughs> I watch them and I watch what they say and I watch what they do. And it doesn't match their why. And so I point that out to them. And I said, what it sounds to me when I asked you, what is your why? What you actually should have said is that we want our child to get a full ride golf scholarship. Right. Because I said, that's what I see in your actions and your words and your behaviors. So let's just get clarity. Let's just put it out there so that we're at least solving the right problem. Like, tell me that the reason that you hired me to help your child is to help them get a golf scholarship. Don't tell me you hired them because you want, you know, you want me to help them become a better person and, a, you know, get these life skills. So let's, let's talk truth here. And when we have that conversation, it's just, it's good to pull them back. And, and I tell them, well, what happens if your child doesn't get a golf scholarship? How about let's talk about that first? Why, why are you afraid of that? So what we help them do, I help them, I help them become more self-aware. My, my job is to provide feedback 
And my definition of feedback is I put a mirror in front of you to help you see yourself better. Because when you see yourself better, now you can make conscious choices to say something different, do something different. And so I put a mirror in front of them so they can see themselves better. And if let's talk about getting a scholarship. Let's talk about what happens if you don't get a scholarship. What I'm learning is when we can identify the real fear and then we can talk about it and we can say, well, that's normal. Everyone wants their child to get a golf scholarship. Everyone is afraid what happens if they don't. Let's talk about that. Sure. And then I help them manage all of those thoughts so that they're not parenting from a place of fear. Do you find, and, and this may be a little abstract in the way I'm going to frame this, Shawnee, some people have a lot of natural talent. I mean, I've played with men and women, golf, horses, whatever, that the first time they swung a leg over a horse, they were a natural. Um, they didn't know much, but you could just tell by the way they sat on the horse and they stayed in rhythm and in balance with the horse. They had they had some skills and they didn't even know they had it. And then some people, uh, you know, they have to have a, a, um, a starter set of skills, so to speak, but everything they learned became very mechanical. They still had the skills, but they just weren't as smooth and as in rhythm and the timing and stuff. How do you, and both of those people, let me finish that thought, I guess. Both of those types of people in golf can go out and be successful to whatever degree they're willing to commit to it and work hard and so on and so forth. But how do you explain that to somebody's parents, for example, that you're coaching, say, you know, Susie here has got a very natural, easy, fluid swing, and she's got a good eye for reading the course or the putts or what have you. And then you got to say, Bobby Joe over here, you know, when he first came here, he couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a banjo, but now he's pretty good and he keeps it between the buoy markers, so to speak. But how do you, how do you explain that to them while you're going through this process with them? Well, I've always, I know this is going to sound weird, but I've always believed that talent is overrated because I think hard, we hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. And the other reason I think talent is overrated is because it's only one of the four pillars of high performance right? that I mentioned earlier. And I, I really believe that athletes in any sport, if they're not whatever the natural gifted, whatever, you know, whatever that means exactly. Sure. I think that there are other pillars that you can make up for that. And, you know, it's, it's the, <clears throat> I believe, you know, I know I'm really biased towards this mental toughness pillar, but I, I know golf for sure. It, I would use the quote, there's nine ways to skin a cat. Depends, depends on the cat, depends on the tool being used, uh -huh. and it depends on the person doing the skinner. Look at how many different golf swings there are. Look at how many different grips, how many different um, grips are used when you're, putter, when you're putting. Right. Like, think about, like, there are nine ways to skin a cat with golf. 
And I just believe it's about finding the way that works best for that person and then finding ways, even if it's never going to be the perfect way. I just believe this mental toughness piece is because you can find your way to skin a cat that can look the most beautiful, the most graceful, the most textbook swing ever. But if that swing doesn't hold up under pressure, it doesn't matter that it's perfect. You can take somebody that has an imperfect swing, stroke, grip, setup, stance, whatever. And if what they do can hold up under pressure, they will also find success. And I really believe that athletes in general are starting to say, oh my gosh, talent is leveling out. Everybody's getting good at this. Everybody's getting stronger, quicker, faster, more flexible. Everybody's hiring a personal trainer. Now what am I going to do to get my edge? And I just think mental toughness is, is the secret sauce. I think that I think it's the magic potion. Um, every time we talk about this, the number one person that comes to my mind is Tiger Woods because, well, besides his dad being, you know, a psyops guy in the military and all that, 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 but Tiger's, and I've talked to people that have been around him. I've never talked to him directly. I've never met him, but he's one tough mental mountain of mass and steel out there, you know? Um, but you were talking about swings. Look at how many swings Tiger's gone through since he started. And um, most people watching on TV can't tell the difference for the most part. They can't, you know, a swing only takes a second and a half or something. So it's not very long to, to see that image, but you know, he was always tinkering and rebuilding and redoing this and doing that. And most people can't even tell he can, but John Q public can't, but I think of him and I think of like Annika as far as mental toughness. And I think of, uh, you know, um, I'm evading me the name now. Jacana, I can't say it today. Uh, another LPGA player that, that gets out there. And, uh, you know, uh, Ochoa and some of those were just, they were very tough mentally. And, um, you know, I think your point is correct. You can have all the physical attributes you want in life, but if, if you're noggin doesn't have uh, good solid foundations and sturdy rafters in it for to cover the storm that's coming. You're not going to do very well. That's my thoughts. If you can, all those little analogies all piled into one statement there, but still, I think you make a great point about that. Well, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I would also say that, you know, we can add mental toughness into this and and without a doubt these best players in the world you can see they have the technical tactical pillar down pat and you can also see they have great mental toughness and the reason i have so much respect for golfers is even these best in the world that have those pillars down pat not one of those golfers wins all of the time no i think about some of the best some of the best players in the world when the LP or the PGA started back up, they even missed the cut. Right. And we'll find that again with the LPGA. 
this is a really, really, really difficult game, even at the highest level, even when you have the technical tactical pillar down, even when you have the mental toughness pillar down, the margin of error is always small in golf. And that's why I think it is such a fascinating sport because the best golfer doesn't always win because there's a whole bunch of best golfers. I, I think about the NBA. It's so opposite of the NBA. Look at the best teams in the NBA. What's their winning percentage? Every year, it's the same thing. You can predict who's going to be in the NBA championship. I think golf is not that way. There is so much up and down. You have to be great four days in a row yep. times how many weekends in a row Part of the mental toughness is managing the grind. It is a grind to be on that tour. And that's why it is, I think, people like me um, and swing coaches, we will always be kept busy because it's an inexact science. There's always more to learn. We are not chasing perfection. It, it's, that is an impossible goal because the best in the world haven't even found it. Like that is fascinating to me. Absolutely. Because, you know, you said it's, you thought it was the toughest game. And I agree with you because you look at American football, it's a, it's far more physical American football is than golf. I mean, cause you get the snot beat out of you every weekend, you know, like that basketball, the same way, a lot more running and, you know, and bas professional basketball and college basketball has become a contact sport in my lifetime. So that's okay. Baseball grinds on forever when they have a normal year. But golf, there's no teammates that when they're playing, they're actually playing. It's you and your clubs, your ball and a caddy. And the caddy really can advise you, but not that much, really. And so I agree that golf is, to me, it is the toughest game uh, out there, period because you may not get beat up as much as if you play football or basketball or rodeo or whatever, but everything is on you and you will, as much as you try, like you said, you're not going to achieve Nirvana. You're not going to achieve perfection. It's good. Something to shoot for, but you're, you're in all practicality, you're not going to get there, but you'll, if you're that good, you'll probably make a good living. Um, you know, I don't know if you'll get to the Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, that type of thing where you got your own private leer, but you make a good living if you can do it. So Shawnee, I've got to get out of here. Um, thank you so much. We will have you back again. And I promise it won't be a year next time. Um, my bad on that. And uh, go ahead one more time and fire off your website and stuff for them. Please. Sure. It's, it's Shawnee Harley. Dot com and Harley doesn't have a Y on it, just H A R L E. Yep. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Shawnee Harley winner winning. Shawnee Harley winning matters is my Facebook page. And if you get messed up on the spelling of any of my name, I know Jeff is all over it. So you can contact him. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. So it's it's always a pleasure. And folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I hope you all have a good week.